for being here for another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. 
Thanks for playing. Uh, well, you know what? I was going to say thank you for reaching us back here on YouTube and pressing play. But then I thought, you know what? Not all of you will be here live. Unfortunately, I wish you guys would be here live, but, you know, things happen. Regardless, welcome back to the program, boys and girls. Joining me tonight is a very, very special guest. Mr. Brad Olson has returned. He's an author of multiple books, including my personal favorite, the Esoteric Series books. They're all phenomenal, in my opinion. He's an international speaker and has appeared all over the radio waves. And he joins us once more in a moment. Thank you for once again allowing us into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Did I overdo it with the music there? Did, that, did the music scare you? Kind of scared me, to be honest. But we're back. I hope you missed us. I know I missed all of you. And in a moment here, Brad Olson will be here. For those of you just uh, joining us here, right as the intro is going off, yes, Brad Olson, the man of the hour. Matter of fact, let's bring him right on in. He's waiting and waiting. And that intro was too long. Regardless, boys and girls, put your hands together for our guest, Mr. Brad Olson. What's up, Brad? Hey, Michael. Not much is going on except another day and another uh, adventure around my new ranch where I live and getting work done here and watching this storm roll in up to the Sierras and probably going to punch up there and get a couple ski days in here. In the next nice. Week. Yeah. Very nice. Very That's nice. <laughs> and uh, yes, Brad, all kinds of things going on right now in real time. And uh, tonight we've got a plethora of topics for everyone to enjoy. And uh, Brad, I don't think we need to really get into your intro too much here. I mean, you've been here on the program before. People know you by now, I, I would expect. Oh, well, that's flattering. <laughs> Good to be known. Yeah. I just came back from Conscious Life Expo down in uh, Los Angeles this weekend. And yeah, it was a well-attended event. And so were my talks. And yeah, it's good to get the word out and be recognized and try to help people understand this very critical period of time we're in right now. And this is what I outline in my esoteric series of books, all the subjects that have been withheld from humanity. And to me, that's just a crime. And we need to have not only disclosure, but more of a open discussion about what's been done and what's uh, affecting other nations, such as the harp quake in Turkey, which just occurred again today, a 6.3 in the southernmost tip along the Mediterranean. And it's just uh, disheartening to see this kind of environmental destruction during the what I would like to think are the cabal's last uh, gasp here, but they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink to try to ha hang on to their power. That is the nature of this dictatorial uh, cabal mindset for this global new world order. They're just going to go for it. And we're seeing it being implemented in different ways and the way dissenters get dealt with. And Turkey was on uh, the uh, bad list for siding with Russia and also with its Middle Eastern neighbors and neighbors. 
it was warned and uh, Biden even came out with a very direct condemnation of Turkey and here comes the earthquake with all kind of signatures of being a harp quake is really what it is. And we're going to have to start getting used to the idea that these weapons, these weather weapons, uh, are in the wrong hands and can do great danger until we get them out of those wrong hands. But uh, this is why people really have to understand geoengineering, what the heart machine can do, and this whole notion of weather warfare and controlling the weather, too, which is all part of the chemtrail agenda that we see nearly every day and they're spraying like crazy over uh, northwest nevada where i'm at michael oh my it never ends you know they always are spraying <laughs> the skies you never know what's in there and earlier i mentioned the beyond esoteric series and i said it was my favorite especially escaping prison planet you know brad that's one of my favorite books of yours well that's so kind of you and uh labor of love took me six years to put it out and um just now rethinking what my 11th book is going to be might be uh, and this is a scoop for the michael deacon program nice think okay. of a book called esoteric antarctica nice always a fun all subject to cover and all the weird stuff yeah oh yes <laughs> so you, mm -hmm. maybe with your uh <laughs> if you like that idea i do i dig that thank you for dropping that on us here and yes all of yeah. brad's books are amazing if you haven't picked one up yet yes i recommend beyond esoteric escaping prison planet pick that one up first uh, i would um i would advise people to do that i mean i might you might uh, think otherwise but that book is a good introductory to uh, your work brad and uh, yes you talked about a harp in uh, that book as well as well so many other interesting subjects here brad but, you know, as a preamble, um, as, you know, we sort of outline how this is going to go, of course, you mentioned some of the great things that we will be talking about here. The latest buzz with UFOs or weather balloons that reminded me of Roswell 1947. It almost seems like history is repeating, Brad. Here we go again, Michael. Oh, yes. And <laughs> it of course, that way, doesn't it? Yes, yes, sir. And of course, human origins. And I wanted to talk to you about nuclear war and if we will see anyone actually getting arrested for crimes committed on epstein's island so yeah there's a lot to uh, discuss here tonight and as always always a honor and pleasure to have you here well thank you michael and it's always great to talk to you and good thing we uh got to meet this last summer and uh you said too much now personally yeah you said too much you said about meeting someone and seeing them eye to eye and it's a good connection that way we made brad you you've said too much <laughs> Uh, maybe I have, but, uh, <laughs> but then again, undisclosed yes. locations, so <laughs> right. Uh, but, I didn't say too much, but Brad, again, it, it was awesome to finally meet you in person and, uh, we had a little fun and we'll leave it at that. But my goodness, um, Brad, you know, you're someone that I truly respect. Well, you too, Michael, you've proven and it. We're just putting forward the truth and the, and these are dangerous times and it's even a dangerous time to be putting out these truths. And we've seen what happens to some dissenters or other people around us who uh, have met uh, an early demise. It's Ooh. not the safest profession to be in right now. No. Uh, look what just happened with uh, James O'Keefe. Right. Another thing. Project. Right. I was just going to ask you a little bit about that there. Um, but before we even bring up his work, 
And uh, my God, he did a great job while he lasted. And of course, he got the boot. But we'll, we'll go back to that in a moment here. But Brad, you know, just as one of the intro questions here, just to get things started, just to let everyone know, um, you know, where you are, uh, not 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 physically, but where you are in this game here. And uh, this is a question I often ask every guest here. And, um, you know, it, it's one that I think really drives at home for the listeners. So I was going to quickly say, what event was it or bit of news that you came across that opened your mind up basically and solidified for you that what we are told by the media or the so-called experts is total BS? That's a great question, Michael. And I think we all have this moment when there's something that just does not jibe with what we know and what we perceive. For me, it was 9-11. That story just made no damn sense at all. And the digger you deep, the more fakery you find. So that was really the trigger. And it did take me uh, over a year. I did believe the narrative for quite a while. It was flung upon us in such a shocking way that it just seemed so very believable. It was the first large-scale false flag in this country and they got the world believing in too. Now we've seen with the uh, scamdemery and all that, that has to do with uh, injectables into the body. So they're, they're really uh, capable of doing great harm and great damage to the human race. And it is in everybody's best interest to take a keen interest in how we are being poisoned and attacked. Because this is a wounded animal right now, and it is at its most dangerous phase. And they are pulling out all the stops right now, throwing everything at us and the kitchen sink to basically retain their power, start World War III, change the narrative away from all these things that are coming out that people are starting to understand. How is it that the EPA finds it this explosion in Ohio a week ago? Oh, it's okay. Safe to breathe. You can all go back home right now. But then they are such hypocrites and, and say that they're never investigating chemtrails, for example. And they find uh, natural ingredients such as latrail or apricot seeds. Oh, but that's dangerous. And they've even raided health food stores. This is more the FDA. So it's these alphabet agencies, Michael that have been co-opted and really captured operations. So many of them, and I just give them fake funny names because that's what they are. FDA is the Fraud and Death Administration. The EPA is Eliminating People Administration. They're just doing everything opposite they should do. And of course, the FBI and the CIA has gone rogue. So we're dealing with a lot of government agencies right now that are just totally out of control and working against the interests of the people. Yeah, they're, so, they're running wild. I'm playing low right now. That's my plan of action. And I think, and I know you are too, because this is going to be a very, uh, very challenging next couple months, year, and even decade. This is when it all goes down. My goodness. And uh, by the way, as you just mentioned, 9-11, that, um, that was it for me. Um, I was already online looking into UFO abductions and false flag operations and once I saw that, I thought, oh, my, yeah, this is BS. Um, even, at, even at that young age, I already knew there was trouble. Um, and I already knew that no way that this was organic, 
Brad, this was state-sponsored terrorism, in my opinion. But yes, I actually got in trouble that morning for even putting that out there in a public classroom. Um, yes, I was quickly kicked out of the room for saying that. <laughs> Set the stage for the rest of your life, Michael. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, it's all right. I mean, I completely believed um, that this was BS. I believed in it so hard. Uh, just the opposite of what every other American was saying at the time, that they fully fell for the trap. Um, the media had them convinced that um, it was Osama bin Laden that was mm. responsible for all this. But you know well that it wasn't, Brad. No, Tim Osman was his CIA name, and he right. had handlers and worked uh, directly with the Central Intelligence Agency. His family, the bin Laden family, are very wealthy developers in Saudi Arabia. And supposedly this is the kid that went rogue, right? Yeah. And, and then a, a CNN crew was able to go up and contact him and meet him in Tora Bora in Afghanistan just uh, months before 9-11 happened. And, oh, CNN could go up and find Osama bin Laden, but our U.S. military, no way, wouldn't right. or any mercenaries. And that's the story that probably got Bill Cooper killed, is he was talking about that and predicting 9-11 would happen. And sure enough, they got him a couple months after 9-11-2001 at his home in Egan, Arizona. Which is wild. It's pretty crazy that, that 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 in fact did happen. And I do remember that audio way back in the day. But what in question that always lingers in my mind, Brad, and I will ask you this, what would be different if there wasn't a 9-11 sort of terrorist attack? What if it never occurred? Mm. And you, you would think, too. What if Kennedy never got assassinated? We could be on right. different timelines altogether right now. And we would be moving a lot closer to a sort of golden age, utopian type human existence. Our Star Trek future is how Gene Roddenberry put it in the first Star Trek series. We'd be moving closer to that. But instead, this cabal has absurd globalist power. And they're asserting it right now, just like David Icke always said uh, over a decade ago, there's going to come a day that this group has to come above ground and be very overt with their world globalist plan takeover. And we're seeing it all around us in many different ways right now. Absolutely. And of course, in your book, you also mention Operation Mockingbird. And I, again, I think that's uh, really important for people to understand that this has always been something that went on in the press and the mainstream media. And oh, yeah. that leads me to ask you, how important is freedom of the press to a um, healthy, blooming society? Well, it's nothing but empty words on a constitution that has been routinely shredded by this globalist agenda. And until we get the power of the press back, uh, that's why the rise of alternative media has been so mediocre, because you can see how much people really want to hear this kind of information. Because, look, if you want to get your information from uh, network television, that's yeah. how the cabal is trying to shape your thought, right? We are, it, it is now being said that Americans are the most propagandized citizenry in the world today. I had a friend in... Uh, in Russia, he was into these subjects as well and grew up in Soviet Union. And he, he'd say, uh, 
in in Russia, in Soviet Union, we knew we were getting propaganda on Pravda and state TV, and we just joked about it. Everybody knew propaganda. But you here in America, you don't even know you are getting propaganda. And that <laughs> is the hardest thing to realize to most people, how heavily propagandized we are in this globalist corporate narrative, which, oh, by the way, owns all the media outlets, huh? Like they would put out real information that would go counter to their plans. Right. So it's no reason why most people out there in society don't, well, I shouldn't say most, I should say a good portion of them don't trust the government. I mean, they haven't really been showing that they're trustworthy, in my opinion. Right. And they lost the trust in so many different ways, including these alphabet agency in in the federal government. The last beacon of hope we have are the white hats in the military, who, by the way, and I'll remind all your listeners who have served or even in the police force, you have taken an oath to defend this country against for enemies, foreign and domestic. And right now, Michael, the barbarians are inside the gate. It was what was termed the fifth column during the Spanish Civil War. When asked how they were going to take Madrid, the opponent says, we already have. We have already entered into the walled city around Madrid with the fifth column of the military. That's this intelligence force that will get in there and take it down from the inside. That's what's happening in America. The globalists have their fifth column already in operation. They've got the judges bought and paid for. They've got the politicians totally blackmail bribed. So they do their bidding and they have set it up in so much that they have full total control. Then when you look at follow the money, who owns everything, such as the big top companies being traded on Wall Street, it always comes down to Black Street and Vanguard and State Street. And then who owns those companies? They own each other. Oh, I wonder, yes. So it's this big network of who the heck is calling the shots in this planet and how are they getting away with it? Absolutely. And even further, I, I have a hard time believing anybody, why anybody would be supporting anyone on the left or the right in terms of uh, politics, um, Brad. They're not very uh, trustworthy, in my opinion. It doesn't even matter which side you believe in. They're both a part of the same problem. <laughs> Michael, when I was a kid, I liked puppet shows. <laughs> and it's so reminiscent of what we're seeing now, this whole political spectrum right. with the fake pr uh, pretendency of Biden. It's just laughable. It really is. It's just a CIA-operated movie set at this point. It, yes, and of course, he was out. It's President's Day today, by the way, as you know, and our oh. president was in the Ukraine. Right. Wow. <laughs> that was really him. But he didn't go to Ohio, though. No, no. Ah. That one's safe to breathe the air, I heard. Just take a, oh, woof it in and feel how good that tastes. Well, Brad, why doesn't he just wear a mask? I mean, it, it works, right? Yeah, especially when <laughs> somebody else is wearing a mask and playing him and doubles and clones and doppelgangers. The spectrum <laughs> of the yes. fakery right now, Michael, is at the highest it's ever been in human history. And we just have to have the wherewithal to see through it. And also to laugh at it and to make fun of it, because that is what the narcissist's worst enemy is, is when you make fun of them, 
when you know his game and you call him out and you make jokes about how ridiculous they are, that is the worst thing. That is the most cutting thing to a narcissist. And that's exactly what we're dealing with, with this Klaus, Anal Schwab, New World, the, the whole World Economic for us and their agenda to basically usurp this planet and throw us into this technocratic nightmare. That's why I start my book, Beyond Esoteric, with the neo-fascism chapter, because we absolutely have to understand this mess that they put us in. And how we get out of it is continue to send beams and do shows like this and get the word out, because this is the best way that we take them down in a nonviolent resistance kind of way hearkening back to Martin Luther King and Gandhi, the father of India, they had to just show the hypocrisy of the system to the people. And then they finally did and succeeded. And, and I, we're going to have to have that moment here in America and come to terms with everything that has been done. And I put up my air quotes in our name because it's not in our name. We didn't order this harp quake on Turkey, but in a way, Americans are going to have to make amends. So a truth and reconciliation program will be called upon much in the same way the South Africans resolved after the apartheid era in that country. Absolutely. And of course, you just mentioned the earthquake in Turkey. Another one just rocked, um, rocked the planet, rocked the planet, rocked their side of um, heaven out there, I should say. And uh, you believe it was harp that was used to uh, make this happen. And really quickly, I just wanted to share with you something as uh, we get into the subject here of earthquakes. And Brad, back in about, I, I would say 2010, I experienced a really crazy earthquake out here in Southern, Cal Southern California. I'm not sure if um, you knew about it, or I'm sure you did, but um, I doubt you were out here in Southern California at the time. This was back, yeah, this was back 2010. Um, on Easter, we had a 7.2 um, earthquake. It was pretty damn crazy because I was outside. And at that time, I was thinking about Planet X. I thought, oh, shit, this is coming early. Um, Planet X is, is coming closer. This is what's going on. And, uh, you know, I saw cars going up and down in the street. Like if they were riding a wave and I saw people running outside their their houses and falling down, it was quite a side, Brad. Mm. I was in the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake in Santa Cruz in 1989. And that was a 7.1. Whoa. Pretty close to the epicenter. I've never felt anything like that. Just in total awe of the force of nature. It's terrifying. It is. Truly is. Yeah, that is yeah. pretty scary. And of course, I was, after that, I was really dizzy. <laughs> and then it made us both preppers in many ways, too. I mean, they preach that out here on the West Coast that, uh, we live on the ring of fire and yeah, I experienced grocery shelves being bare within a couple hours, all the power out in the greater Bay area. And it was uh, a wake up experience and we should all be thinking that way anyways, to be prepped for at least 30 days off the grid. How are you going to make it through? Absolutely. Absolutely. And with all this going on right now, I worry that there's going to be another massive earthquake that's going to be rocking us out here pretty soon, Brad. And get this, Michael, I just got some information about a big toxic uh, load coming through on train in Stanislaus County today. 
So there's also uh, maybe by putting it out there, we can help prevent some of these disasters because these are all contrived. These are all a strategy of tension. That was a term that came out of Operation Gladio in Europe in the 1970s. One of the conspirators got caught and it's still a BBC uh, special you can watch about Operation Gladio. They asked him, what, what, were you, what were your motives for doing this? Of course, he said, I'm just taking orders. Well, what were the orders? Why did they want to do this? And they said it was a strategy of tension to make Europeans fear communism and oh, support wow. their government. So these false flag tactics are nothing new. In fact, the term false flag goes all the way back to the pirate days when pirate ships would throw up a British flag to get close to a British ship so that they could fire upon it and then seize the ship and try to steal their goods. So th this form of deception uh, has been around for a long time. Yeah. It, just now it's, it's reached a fevered pitch. And remember, the motto of the Mossad is, by deception, thou shalt do war. So it's really uh, no holds barred at this point, Michael. All the dirty tricks and the kid gloves have come off. And, and I'm really afraid that the cabal with still these weapons, these weather warfare weapons, such as HARP, that it's in the patent, it can create earthquakes and all kinds of weird things happening in Turkey in the days leading up to that really big quake uh, a couple weeks ago. And now you said they had another one today. So uh, they're punishing that area. Interesting that uh, Israel never gets any, but boy, they're punishing <laughs> their enemies in all these different ways. Oy vey. That's all I can say about that. And uh, Brad, on, uh, you know, just between us and the listeners right now, I'm wearing about um, 50 masks right now. <laughs> I have my mask on. I'm, I'm just prepared already. But, you know, a gas mask is not the worst idea in the world either. Not for these make-believe viruses they think we're going to infect each other with. Look, if, if these viruses and bacteria and these infections are so bad and so harmful and so deadly, human race would have been gone a long, long time ago. It's the human-made toxins that are being spilled and poisoned and sprayed on us and injected in our food and water that worry me. And that's why I think your listeners, our very sophisticated audience, understands this stuff. We need to be taking a self-defensive posture here because they're coming at us, right? They're coming at us in so many different vectors. We have to know how to detox ourselves to avoid exposure to this stuff and be ready for the big ones, such as some kind of uh, major spraying where we'll need a heavy-duty gas mask. Right, and of course, they say that Harp can produce earthquakes, that, and they're saying this is just a conspiracy theory, Brad. What what do you make of um those sort of reports out there? You know, if you Google it, they'll say, "Oh, this is a conspiracy theory, all nonsense." Oh, Google it, yeah, right. Well, the conspiracy theory is those guys, big tech. I like what Ben Fulford says. He said, "Not only do we have to send a contingent, and Russia might do it with uh Israel or." even Switzerland, because those are the last bastions after Ukraine falls. But Ben Fulford says, we got to also go after the big media, uh, including big tech in Silicon Valley. And I would agree with them because they are controlling the information. This is exactly oh, yeah. uh, Orwellian mind control by not allowing uh, different narratives to go out. So yeah, Google Harp, not creating earthquake. I got a better idea. Why don't you look at the patent 
for the Harper rays, and you'll see that the ability to create earthquake is in the patent. So forget about what big tech is censoring. Usually what they censor is exactly what you need to know. That's right. <laughs> That's the important stuff. Yes, and of course, more of this came to light if you were paying attention to Twitter, which I know you were, and many of the listeners out there obviously have been paying attention. Uh, that, that's the great thing about this program. You know, everyone uh, is sort of already on the same uh, frequency here. So you don't really have to explain too much. They already understand and get it. That's why I like the listeners out there. They're great. But one problem, and it's always an issue, Brad, how are we going to get to those who still have their head in the sand? You know, that's a, a thing I always bring up to every guest. They, everyone gives me a different answer, but Yes, we are a small demographic out here, Brad, as you know, but um, so many others out there, they still believe all the, the mainstream media news that they get. You know, they consume it. Um, They're snorting it up like uh, like Hunter Biden. <laughs> exactly like Hunter Biden. Well, like I said, we're the most propagandized population in the world today. So what do you do with those people? You try to wake them up to listening to a program like Michael Deacon program, get them to read Beyond Esoteric, share links with them, memes. It's really all of our responsibility to try to help wake up the people around us. But of course, there are limits you can go. Some people just say, hold up their hand, talk to the hand. They don't want to hear it. (laughs) Yes. And then therefore, you can't do anything for those people. It's one of those things, you know, it's one of those things. If you try to talk to someone out in the street or just someone in general that you know, kind of to a certain extent, if you bring up life and death, bring up government and politics some people don't want to hear it you know they don't want they check out because it's a little too damning it's a little too scary a little too real um but that's what i'm all about you know i like realness i like something that's you know something uh tangible not none of this uh bs that we see on tv um but unfortunately brad again i'm just saying we are a very small demographic still we are indeed but look our numbers are growing it's true though that's happening things like the uh that that train derailment, the real bad one in um, Ohio, has started to wake people up because now, just like I described 9-11 as my wake up yeah. and yours with E.T. abductions. And I would also say when I was younger, too, I saw through that, too, and knew that there were contact being made. But in the case of uh, the explosion in Ohio, yeah, there has been a great rise in people looking into Weather warfare, harp, hemtrails, what's going on in the sky? Because they so clearly see this is a big disaster and nothing's being done about it. Yet Biden goes, he finds a way to go to uh, Ukraine, but not to this disaster. Not to Ohio, yeah, which is crazy. I think he should have gone out there. Even if he was wearing a hazmat suit, I think he should have (laughs) just uh, done it anyways. I mean, it would have looked better for him, but... Um, what, whatever though. I mean, he could do whatever he wants if he doesn't want to go to Ohio and he'd rather go to the Ukraine where all of our issues are going down, where all of our money's being spent. Right. It's a mess. It, it really is. I mean, we really need to stop supporting the Ukraine, uh, even Russia. I'm done with both, Brad, to be honest. It's been an entire year and I've grown to, uh, despise both the Ukraine and Russia now, whenever I hear about either one, I, I'm just sick of it. I, I go, ugh, gross, yeah. yuck. And it's so far away, and it's we're poking the bear, and that's a bad move. But over here, we have so many domestic problems 
that are going unaddressed. So that is helping to wake people up. And this is a good thing. It's a painful process. Getting rid of your cognitive dissonance over these issues that we've been talking about for years, Michael, which come as second nature to our discussion. But a lot of people who can't handle this news, they're going through their own wake up process. And it's a painful period of time when everything you held, cherished, believed in all comes crashing down. I think of it kind of like an insurance policy. Let's say you've been paying into this policy now for 30, 40 years, and you're thinking, maybe it's about time I'm going to use this policy. Uh, and then you just realize, oh, we've just plundered all the accounts, just like these massive protests in Europe right now. Macron says he wants to take away people's pensions, and they're going absolutely ape shit. So when you take away what people have paid into and expect to have in their later life, and you say, oh, nope, your insurance policy is null and void. Hey, I've been paying into that for 40 years. Tough luck. That is what it really hits home. And there's an old saying that the Americans won't do anything until they feel the pinch. So we have not gone out in mass half million person protests in our cities yet to redress our grievances. But when we really start to feel the pinch, Americans will. And they are doing that in this uh, disaster zone area of Ohio. They're pissed and they demand some kind of response. Interesting that Trump said he was going to go out there, and then all of a sudden FEMA changed her tune and said, oh, well, we'll pitch in something. Right. At it's first, just crazy at, hypocrisy. Absolutely. And at first, they didn't want to give them any money. Right. Not at all. But now uh, they seem to change their tune very quickly as soon as uh, Trump said he's going to go out there. Right. And I'm not yep. a Trump supporter, by the way, but I'm not someone who hates the guy um, either. Um, to be honest, I'm against them all, Brad, to be honest. I don't like yeah. politicians at all. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I like these people when, in fact, I don't. <laughs> they're part of the problem, too. Yeah, yeah they're puppets, too. But the fact that uh, so many of the news agencies, the corporate-controlled news outlets, ganged up on Trump, to me, of all the politicians, maybe he's doing something right because they hate him so bad. I mean, they hate That's him before he even... That's the only reason I like him, but he right. has not renounced the jab and, and there's other things uh, that are questionable that he's said and done. Well, they were going after him before he even became the president, too. They're yeah. already on his trail. Um, but yeah, I guess, I, yeah, that's a great point there as well. They must have not liked what he was doing or trying to do, whether legal or illegal. I think he was yeah. uh, being a nationalist, which is a bad word now, thanks to the media. But what's so wrong about putting America first? I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I, I'm a nationalist as well. I think America is the greatest country on earth. Lots of people get mad at that, but I don't care. No, I'm down with that as well. And sure. In fact, we're the last real hope for the world with our freedoms and the right to bear arms and the Constitution, what's left of it. At least we have proclaimed rights as human beings. I've been around the world, Michael, and a lot of countries have no rights. No rights. And again, here in America, we are misled by the media to make it seem like we're the most racist country on earth this is just so racist but in reality we're the least racist country in the world i mean have you ever gone to japan and seen what they think of uh, black people out there or what they think of other 
uh, minorities. I mean, it's not very good. Hate to break no, it to I... the, the people out there, but the rest of the world, very racist. Yeah, you're not breaking it to me. I lived in Japan for 14 months. Oh, you don't? Then you know. They're racist against the other Asian nations that surround them, but not necessarily to white people or big, tall white Americans like I was as an English teacher over there. And the only reason why not is because we're the only country that ever beat Japan. That was a country that had never been occupied historically until after World War II. And so there's still a difference to uh, white people now, even though if you got captured in a prisoner of war, they would break your back. Uh, They would kill you, torture you to death. So we paid the price for that uh, victory and they're nasty. They, they, they're very tenacious fighters and, but I'll give it to them. They're extremely brave. They take orders. And how do you convince a pilot to be a kamikaze pilot? Well, you give them that. You're going to take your own life. Just drop this payload bomb into that destroyer. I mean, that, that's some pretty good military uh, training for getting people to believe your cause so much that they're willing to throw their well, life sure, at Sure, sure. But they also gave them some nice uh, meth there as well. Get them all so juiced the up. Yeah, just like the Nazis. You got to get all um, wired up, all juiced up on the amphetamines and uh yeah you'll go and kill a man no problem right when you when you don't mind taking your own life and that just shows but they are but they are a very strict sort of culture and one with honor and respect um but yes a very different kind of people there yeah yeah different kind and and i'm not gonna slag the japanese people because i love the country and i I have many japanese friends and i have many fond memories of being there Uh, But there are other countries around the world. Everybody is pretty much culture centric. That's why when I talk to people about moving to Mexico or moving to another country, I just say, if you got to realize if things really go sour and it becomes a struggle for just getting resources, being the other colored person about uh, outside that community can make life very, very difficult. And they'll come and pick you off. They'll just steal your stuff and run you out of there too after a while, if not kill you outright. So it, there is safety in our grouping. Now in America, we're just this hodgepodge of everybody and we've all seemed to get along. I think really America, in my experience, and I've been to all seven continents, Michael, and 50 some countries in my life, we are the least racist country to be really honest with you, because we have every color and creed that are here. And we all have friends that are black. We all have friends that are Latino. We all have friends that are uh, Asian. And it doesn't matter. Everybody's cool if you're a good person. Right. So I really like what Martin Luther King said in his I Have a Dream speech is, I have a dream of one day where a black boy and a white girl can hold hands and that Somebody will not be judged for the color of their skin, but for the content of their character. And that's all that matters. You want an honest, good friend who's not going to be a dick to you or a narcissist. And and you'll be the same to them. That's the golden rule that uh, do unto others that you have them do unto you. And if we all start doing that, um, there wouldn't be so much strife. And and so the racist stuff, that was just conjured up. That's just stirring the pot look at how it all happened during trump's time and then all this 
majority of school shootings took place during uh, Obama. And then you have 9-11 and other false flags going on under the bushes. So it's just this ongoing strategy of tension against the American people. I'm just fed up with it. Absolutely. I'm calling a spade a spade here. And we see who these globalists are like Soros throwing all this money into the Open Society Foundation just to stir the pot. But uh, I think your listeners are sophisticated enough to know that we all judge each other on content to character. And that's what's really important. Yeah, that's what matters. And of course, uh, Brad, let's be honest. I mean, they weren't being racist towards you. Uh, I don't, no, they weren't. They, yeah, they weren't going to be racist themselves or towards their other subgroups. Uh, yes, but I, I'm just saying they're they're not going to be racist towards you at all. I mean, um, Brad, you know, you're walking around out there, you know, like Bigfoot almost. You know, you're <laughs> you're the tallest person they've ever seen. Well, there's that, and that's a form of self defense. But there, I have been uh, prejudged, and I, I, I have felt. Even by the Japanese, uh, they didn't like something I was doing. And I'll just leave it at that. For the, record, was... uh, for the record, Chad and uh, listeners at home, um, Brad Olson is uh, seven feet four. No. A true Nephilim walking amongst uh, men. Six, seven. I'm a big guy, <laughs> but uh, you're exaggerating. Well, I mean, to me, you're like seven feet tall. I'm only <laughs> well, like five ten. you about four foot ten. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Brad. Um, but yes, um, always an honor and pleasure to be talking to you and, um, we're not ending the interview or anything. I'm just saying it's always fun to, to have these, um, co- this conversation with you since you're a lot more open and down to earth than a lot of other folks that I talk to here in this program. Some of them are, you know, that you have to sort of work them into getting, get going here and, you know, saying these things and sharing with us. But, um, Brad, you're here, you're very open, you're like an open book and, uh, we love that about you. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. And you know, now I am living out in giant country in Northwest Nevada, which had been during the last ice age, 10 to 12,000 years ago, there was a massive freshwater inland sea spanning the whole northern portion of Nevada. And you can still see the striation marks in the hills, even in the valley that I'm living in now, up on the hills of all the different levels of ancient Lake Lahotan. And that lake, there's still remnants in all the sinks and the drainages throughout the state of Nevada, which is really the Great Basin of North America. That is, there are no rivers that flow out of Nevada. All the rivers just have a sink or a lake or a flowage area where they end up and oftentimes just dry up. And that's the old remnant of Lake Lahotian. But why that makes a giant country is because during that Ice Age period, there were red-haired giants, some six and a half, seven, eight, and nine feet tall that lived at the lake level of Lake Lahotan. And there you find the caves where their mummified remains were found, such as the Lovelock Caves. And only about 25 miles as the bird flies from where I'm at, Spirit Cave near Fallon, Nevada, and that had uh, these giant bones as well, sometimes with elongated heads and sometimes with uh, multiple two rows of teeth or a, a extra digit on their hand and toes. So human-like, but not human at all. And you mentioned the Nephilim or the Anunnaki yeah. could be some kind of remnant of them or some of their 
ancestors that lived here. But red hair sometimes found on the mummified bodies, showing that they had a fair features sometimes, too. That's yeah, pretty wild. We do have these giant skeletons that are uncovered here. And of course, they're hidden away from us and told that and we're told that they don't exist. Um, right. But the Nephilim or just giants in general have always existed, uh, according to the Bible, if that's what you follow. But beyond the Bible, there's always been tales of giants out there. And I'm wondering about, you know, I'm wondering about our human origins and what other things that we're kind of misled and not told about. Yeah. Well, that's a chapter in Beyond Esoteric called Suppressed Human Origins when I get into the elongated skulls and how they've been found virtually around the world, Michael. This is what's really fascinating to me is they've been found in Scandinavia. They've been found around the Black Sea and Caucasus region, of course, scattered all around South America, most especially in Paracas, Peru, where they have a museum on display of all these elongated skulls. And to the South American people, it's really passe. Yes, of course, we knew they were here, just like modern UFO or ET sightings, sometimes close encounters with South American shaman or other natives, because they're totally open to that. We're the ones who have the issue with these uh, outer space or even interterrestrial ET visitors, not so much the indigenous people of the world, I find really interesting. And maybe that's part of our propaganda is the military industrial complex, which uh, Frank Zappa said was really in control of the media, that th this was their narrative to steer us away from these subjects so we wouldn't know about them. But this is esoteric uh, information, esoteric history, esoteric anthropology, and the suppressed human origins of who we really are and who we're related to on this planet. But why would you want to do that to begin with? Why would you want an elongated skull? You see lots of tribes doing this as well when a baby's born. They put those uh, things around their head to get that going. But why? Right. Who influenced them to do that? Who were they trying to mimic? And that's a great question. But we should also point out that, yes, there is cranial deformation. You can shape a skull, especially a young child's skull, in many right. different shapes and forms. As you say, isn't it interesting that they're shaping their skulls to perhaps look like something? But what we have to understand is that these elongated skulls have much larger craniums than we do, 30% larger cranial capacity. And you just can't reform a skull in any way to gain 30% more mass. That's true. So they're clearly human-like, but not human. You don't want to get headbutted by one of them. <laughs> not from behind no that's for sure <laughs> yes uh, that reminded me what right when you were saying that you know that reminded me of the movie coneheads great film by the uh -huh. way i forgot all about that but that i don't know why that just randomly popped in my head or the coneheads on saturday night live there you go and invariably the american family would all of a sudden so where are you guys from we're from france <laughs> <laughs> yes classic stuff there back yeah. when yeah back when that show was actually funny yeah, when it was really funny. Yeah, when Those they had talent. all became superstars in the movies. Right, back when there was actual talent on Saturday Night Live. Now it's just been it's reduced. Oh, yeah, it's just very unwatchable. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable how far comedy has fallen, uh, Brad. And I still like comedy, but what we see on Saturday Night Live, it's just um, really bad. 
woke fest. I'm being uh, uh, being polite here. I don't want to cuss. I mean, the last time I was on here, Brad, I was cussing up a storm, and my old man heard, and he didn't like that at all. He got really mad. He didn't want me cussing so much, Brad. He thought I was a character out of The Sopranos. <laughs> well, I think in general you shouldn't cuss. It Probably just not. Shows your lack of the the English language. There's a word to describe everything. We don't have to say like, you know, or swear words. That's true. Yeah, and in our business, I write, you speak, and we should be very well spoken and never have to swear. I agree, but I was all juiced up and um, ready to go, <laughs> ready to fight someone. Yeah, I hear you. I was going crazy. Uh, yeah, you don't want to listen to the last episode, Brad. You might uh, get get scared of me. Shoot, now I might have to. <laughs> well, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> it was fun either way. Um, but yes, much respect to my old man out there. Uh, not wanting me to cuss. I think that's uh, kind of sweet in a, in a funny way. Yeah, it's good professional <laughs> advice. Too. Yeah, he wants me to keep it cool. But yeah, I, I guess he's right. I'll, I'll keep it cool. Won't go crazy anymore. Only sometimes. Only sometimes, Brad. That's all I could promise. Show your intellect and uh, quote Shakespeare once in a while. And You're right. There's words <laughs> that are really appropriate to what you want to say. Be very pointed with your words. Absolutely. I always try to economize my vocabulary, too. Just use the right words at the right time and never fillers. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, earlier we mentioned, or at least I mentioned, uh, the whole UFO thing. And how I, it reminded me of uh, Roswell back in 1947. I wanted, uh -huh. I wanted to get into that with you here again. And of course, there is, well, they say there's a misconception that some sightings of UFOs may actually be misidentified balloons. Balloons. That's what they're saying. That's what the experts are saying, Brad. <laughs> Here's the thing with balloons. This is why I think all these sightings and unknown craft being shot down. These are the opening salvos to Project Bluebeam. This is the long prophesized fake alien invasion. And oh, by the way, it starts with artificially induced earthquakes. And if some of these earthquakes, which, by the way, happen near Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, uncover, say, giant bones or a UFO, which may or may not be planted, right? But this is all to start shaking up our whole narrative about who we think we are on this planet. Just shake it up. Every, everybody's religious beliefs, too. And these are the opening salvos to Operation Bluebeam, this great opera, holographic, yeah. fake alien invasion. Now, here's how we know it's fake. And, and these balloons are just props, okay? Just think of this as a show of a big production, and you're just in the in theater watching it all even as they're setting it up now balloons why would you need a spy balloon they already have satellites over all the countries of the world right now that can read the face of a deck of cards so you don't need a balloon to spy that's already been done they're doing it already with far more sophisticated means and then as far as shooting down a craft of an et vehicle are you kidding me they are so far advanced, technologically speaking, with force fields around the craft that cannot be penetrated, going all the way back to the Battle of High Jump in Antarctica when our conventional guns and cannon couldn't pierce the force field of these craft that confronted Admiral Byrd and the Armada in that very fateful battle at sea, which was very one-sided. And... So we know that these craft are extremely sophisticated. If they're going to show this 
it's all a setup for this fake alien invasion. And I know your audience knows a lot of these subjects I'm talking about, but it should go to remind everybody that if they, we hear it all in the news, that there is an alien invasion, just know it's fake. And this goes all the way back to the 1970s with Werner von Braun, paperclip Nazi, came over here to start up NASA after World War II, should have been in Nuremberg on war crime trials, but no, he comes here and starts up our space agency. But he had a conscience, and he maybe was a good man in the end and, and said to his assistant, Carol Rosen, that this would be the final card that the New World Order plays, is this Project Bluebeam, this fake alien invasion. And that would usher in the one world government, the one world currency, the one world religion. It's all part of this grand space opera that we're just going to be sitting in the grandstands. We're just starting to see the opening credits with the balloons and the UFO shoot downs. It's all fake, Michael. Right. It is all very much fake. And of course, we are talking about Project Bluebeam. Uh, for those that uh, will be popping in here late, uh, you guys already know that theory, the quote-unquote conspiracy theory that the government will create an artificial second coming in order to control people or an alien invasion. And, uh, you know, they tested this out already with a fake Jesus Christ out in uh, Cuba, I believe. There you go. That is also part of it. So they're going to use holograms and they're going to project in, in a very realistic way. Look. Tupac Shakur and Michael Jackson are going on tour posthumously <laughs> right. as themselves as holograms on the stage. And everybody believes it because it looks so realistic. So this is the big plan is to just pull the wool over all of our eyes, make us think we're being invaded, and then we'll all coalesce together with this new world order agenda and complicitly agree to being enslaved. I actually wonder what people here in America would think if we saw a huge holographic sort of a Jesus Christ out in the sky. Um, I wonder if people would be shocked, scared, confused, uh, people maybe even committing suicide. Who knows? All, all part of the plan. And let's take it to the next level. What if you started to hear voices inside your head? Ooh. You'd think you'd maybe be schizophrenic, but then you look up and you see that hologram of... Jesus, or in the Far East, Buddha, or in India, one of the many Hindu gods, when their lips are moving and you're hearing the voices in your head, wouldn't that be believable? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, sure. sure. You skull technology now, right. and they can do that. You would think God was talking to you directly. You sure would. And look at how gullible and superstitious most people of the world today, if they believe our mainstream media, they're going to believe that. You better believe it. And then they'll probably do as they're told. Oh, race yourself over to the nearest FEMA camp right now. Check yourself in for your safety. And probably 90% of the people, well, uh, let's just say the 70% that took the Wackazine might be tempted to do that. But those that didn't are pretty much set to uh, weather this through and just see what happens and not go crazy. Look, they did a dry run with the War of the World simulation that Orson Welles in the, the 1930s. Yeah. And people did jump out windows and commit suicide and were very panicked. They were scared. And all these yeah. think tanks, they used that as an example. Well, we can't come up clean with UFO information. They'll go crazy like they did in War of the Worlds. 
they actually use that as an example of why they have to keep this all secret. But when it comes out, then it's a controlled narrative. Mm. Then it's the space opera that they have control over and can uh, roll it out just like a Hollywood production. And I believe Max Cole in the chat room said something rather interesting. He said it was a psychological operation, basically, is what he's saying. And uh, yeah, this is what it's all about. It's what we sort of endured the last uh, two, three years here in terms of uh, the, the China dust. <laughs> exactly. So if, you, uh, if you're still a pure blood, if you're still an organic human, right, yes. then you're probably going to be the one who survives everything they're going to start throwing at us. And the psyop of all psyops. Which uh, it they was. They could just be ramping up for the real show. That'll make 9-11 looks like child play. Let's hope not. Let's well, hope not. And I the, wouldn't put anything past this group, Michael. They I are either. demonic. I wouldn't either, to be honest with you. And of course, China just successfully tested what they're calling a phantom space strike weapon. And they're saying, which can overwhelm an enemy's missile defense systems ahead of a nuclear attack. So that's not good news. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of technology is so much higher now and continues to grow by vast amounts. My only source of comfort in all this is that it has been demonstrated by benevolent ET groups. That they will not allow full-scale thermonuclear war. Well, They'll I hope not. They'll just them off in the sky. They won't let that happen. But there could be dirty bombs. There will be more of these environmental disasters that are happening here on the surface that are not so easily controllable. But as far as... Uh, the missiles flying over to Russia or China or to us, all different directions, that's not going to happen. I hope not. I certainly hope not. And of course, once I heard the weather balloon, uh, the spy balloon, and then UFOs, I, I just kept thinking, my God, how easy would it be just to hit us with an EMP and take down our electrical grid and uh, electromagnetic pulse, for those that are wondering what an EMP is? You know, if one were to hit our electric grid, it could potentially cause widespread damage and disruption to the electrical and electronic systems that are vital to our lives, basically. An EMP burst would really screw us up. And of course, that includes a solar flare or uh, maybe a nuclear explosion or get this, um, Brad, of course, you already know that a high altitude nuclear detonation. You know, all these sort of things can uh, really screw us up bad. Well, I'd say the EMP is the most realistic scenario. Of course, blamed on our perceived enemies, whether it's false flag or maybe done by one of our enemies. Never know. Uh, an EMP would be devastating. How long could people last without power? They'll go apeshit crazy. They would. There's an old saying that goes all the way back to the French Revolution, Michael. Over 200 years ago it was recognized that the general population is only eight meals away from total chaos and revolution. Wow. Uh, so when the shelves go dry, and they would after immediately after an EMP attack, uh, when people start going hungry, they go crazy. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm afraid so. Uh, that's all I was thinking about once I heard of these weather balloons, these spy balloons rather... Once I kept hearing these things, I just was really worried about um, our grid here and how vulnerable that we are. And I think we kind of showed how vulnerable we were 
allowing these things into our airspace thanks to NORAD. But, um, you know, they claim some of these things were undetected. They, they were just making all these excuses. And, um, you know, Brad, I, I kind of have a hard time believing that we didn't know any of these things were in the sky. Yeah, well, I think we knew a long time uh, ago. There have been other uh, ET groups and channelers who have conveyed that they were not alien at all, that they, it's a setup. They're human made. The narrative is all manufactured. It's a Hollywood script. People got to understand that, that this is all being dictated and scripted out as it would uh, a production. And the people who have resisted the jab are in the best position to survive this. But an EMP would be very devastating in this country. Um, it would be a resource war. I think the cities would be absolute hell. It's going to be a scramble to get out of there. And then what if there is another uh, really bad oil spill, say, in the Bay Area that's on its way in Stanislaus County right now uh, and cleared out a giant metro area before an EMP attack? Yeah. And look, we could go down the list of all the ways that this strategy of tension is being implied, implemented across the country. You got all the, the food processing plants getting blown up. That yeah. was a couple months ago. The egg and hen supply going down. And oh, by the way, they know that people that eat egg yolk, this helps get rid of the spike protein in the body. So there's a reason why this particular food source is really being targeted oh. right now in North America and all the different ways that we're being set up. I think it goes down this summer. I think in July, August uh, could be the EMP attack, there you could go. be the beginning of all this. And Michael, what better time to have a very rapt audience when the power goes down and the space opera begins in the sky or the Messiah shows up to tell you what to do what to do exactly That's a lot of people I think being set up for. yeah a lot of people will be controlled as soon as that happens they see this uh, false messiah in the sky they're going to bow down and do whatever it says that's one of the worries as well and going back to the earthquake thing one second here i was going to mention um i i know someone one of the listeners i have that's out uh, stationed uh, in, in turkey actually and they were close to um th that first earthquake Maybe even closer to the second one because I've lost all communication with them. Um, hopefully they're not dead, Brad. Let's put it that way. Ooh. Well, have you seen some of the videos, not only of the weird clouds and animals going crazy like birds flying around in the days before the quake, and then the night of the very first quake, there were all kind of blue lights flashing around the horizon, telltale signs that this was a harp quake. And then some of the... Uh, Fissures in the rock, some of the separation of soil from the fault lines, never seen anything like that before in, in history. The fault lines so deep cutting through some orchards mm. uh, looked like about a quarter mile sometimes at its widest part of the chasm. Just unbelievable destructive power that can be created on this focused energy through these harp arrays. And it's not just up in Alaska it's not other locations. They actually have these things floating and they can move them closer to the target. Keep in mind that planet Earth is really an ocean planet. That's right. Covered in 71% of water. So these heart machines on boats can just sneak right up and then they coordinate the energy in a certain area and then focus it down That's on the target. That's all it That's takes. That's all it takes. It, yes. It's in the patents. It's been around for decades. 
I'll just give you another little anecdote. I was sure. saying earlier in the show how this is an this is a dangerous profession that we're in. I was good friends with Jerry Smith, who wrote the book Weather Warfare, published through Adventures Unlimited, and David Hatcher Childress, another good friend of mine. He's now a star in Ancient Aliens, yeah. but he's also a book publisher. So Jerry Smith wrote this book Weather Warfare, and he had had some weird things happen to him. He's even was threatened. Well, he went up to be on the show Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura up in Minnesota. Ah, yes. And that night after filming, he was in the hotel bar and he was drinking, just kind of hanging out, yeah. relaxing. Sure. Unknown people may have spiked his drink because he got really sick the next morning. Damn. Basically had to drive home to Illinois and he was dead within weeks. Ooh, he was poisoned. Quite possibly. They slipped so him got something. very, very sick, made it home, never recovered, and just slowly, gradually just died. Damn, they they did a massage on him. One of the, yep. uh, yeah, they massaged him. Some uh, secret it's agent uh, spiked his drink. Others um, like, yeah, mm -hmm. but others like uh, Phil Schneider, who had a medical catheter strangled from behind, and they ruled it a suicide? <laughs> Give me a break. That's right. And and none of his valuables were stolen, but all of the geological rocks and other artifacts, some from UFO uh, crashes, those were all gone out of Phil Schneider's house. But his wallet was still full of money, and he had some other uh, valuables that they didn't take. Damn, that sounds well, like... That was gone, but then they ruled it a suicide. They, that, that sounds like what happened to Seth Rich. You know what? I mean, uh, the list goes on. <laughs> yeah, the list goes Bible. on. It's pretty wild. And of course, you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. And and you mentioned uh, Jesse Ventura. The chat room was mentioning Jesse as well. And, uh, you know, that's one guy who's never really changed his opinion on anything, really. He's always been a straight shooter and believed what he did, never really flip flopped around. He's been someone who's been consistent. And I could respect that uh, wholeheartedly. I've always been a Jesse Ventura fan. Oh, so have I. And that show, Conspiracy Theory, Great really show. did break some grounds. And uh, I, I was on a Buzzsaw with Tyrell Ventura, his son, and Sean Stone right after that show got canceled. Oh, my. And I asked the guys, yeah, it was the first time I met them both. And uh, Sean even said this on Coast to Coast, that uh, they were cutting a little too close to the bone in the first two uh, seasons of Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura, most especially their criticism of the Federal Reserve and the episode on the FEMA camps when they were showing the coffins and they snuck in. So they, they got a big uh, hand slap and said, we're canceling your show, but they had already renewed for season three. So then they said, well, you're not going to talk about that anymore. Bring in Sean Stone, who just did a Greystone Manor movie about a haunted uh, mental institution in New Jersey. And then they just did in season three, all paranormal stuff. That was allowable. Uh, they could go to uh, Skinwalker Ranch and Sean jumped the fence and snuck in a little bit. They could talk about ghosts or Bigfoot or cryptoids, uh, but not against this system of this country going yeah. into some kind of martial law doesn't surprise that was the me. big no-no and that's what got the show canceled well well that doesn't surprise me at all to hear that the producers must have uh, got scared and didn't want the want that to air 
Well, the producers happen to have made the most popular show on that network. And then they canceled it because they sabotaged it by season three. They did not announce what time the, the shows were going to play. Mm. And so therefore they didn't get seen. Um, and it, it got uh, intentionally sabotaged because they did not want it to renew into season four. They were told they couldn't do it. Sean's even been on the record uh, talking about how that got canceled with, and that he knew before he came on season three that that was it, that they were just one and done one more season. And Jesse Ventura has actually been living most of the time since then in Mexico. He's not entirely uh, feeling safe in this country either. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. A lot of people moving to Mexico, a great place to live if you want to get away from it all. Uh, Mexico, great, great place to check out. And and you want to go deep into Mexico. You don't want to go hanging out near the border where all the cartels are, but there's cartels all over the place. But um, uh, some people don't realize this, but the cartels are actually protecting some of the hotels out there as well because they care about um, their, the revenue. They want people to be out there. They want the tourism to continue. That's how, yeah, that's yeah. how they make money Max as well. Down there, Jeff Berwick, they just did the Anarchapulco conference uh, two weeks ago. And by all stories, it was a big success. Very nice. Very nice. And of course, you were thinking about moving down there yourself, um, Brad. I was toying with the idea. I'm staying in uh, my little corner in northwest Nevada for a little while because here I'm Nobody knows where I'm at, and I like it that That's way. Better. Nobody knows. Yeah, basically, leave me alone. I'm surrounded by people that are keeping an eye on my property if I'm not here, and they're oh, well, very well armed. Yeah. Okay. They know who I am, and I know who they are, and we're all working together. And it's funny, when I first was looking at this property last summer, uh, my neighbor says, oh, well, you know, if you're trying to get away from it all and survive what might be coming down the pike, you're in the right place, because this is one of the safest places in America. So I felt pretty good about that. And as I was saying earlier about living in a foreign country, uh, if you're the odd skinned person out and this works reverse racism too, uh, they'll pick you off. They'll steal your stuff. They'll threaten you and it could get a lot worse. So in some ways it's good to be around people that you know and you trust and, and you like the location where you're at. Absolutely. And of course, you have the neighbors out there looking out for your property and looking out for you, which is always a plus. So I'm glad things are good out there. You don't exactly have to move just yet. But once uh, the fecal matter hit the fan, uh, that's probably when you should uh, make your exit, Brad. Well, yeah. And if they hit us with an EMP, you're not going to want to be here anyways. And that's True. why I always keep a updated passport and enough to get me where I need to go anywhere on the planet if I want to. Uh, as quick as I can get out. Now, if the flights are grounded, well, then I got my uh, four-wheel drive vehicle and I could go deep into the desert or high up into Canada or down to Mexico driving. Now, we yeah, have options go. to leave this country if we need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Brad, I mean, my goodness, I could talk to you uh, for another hour here, but we are sort of uh, winding down already, which is um, pretty quick here. And I know we didn't have too much time and I didn't want to hold you up uh, for too long. But, you know, one thing I, I always ask, um, and I've asked you in the past, uh, I'm wondering if uh, your answer has uh, changed at all, but I'm going to ask you anyways, how do you think Earth will end, Brad? Oh, Earth is not going to end. You think it's going to go on forever? It's the human race. 
And if we go down this torturous road of neo-fascism into a new world order government, it's not going to be a world you're going to want to live in anyways, nor raise your children in. I mean, this dystopian vision of the world economic for us that you will own nothing and you'll be happy. This is how psychopaths think, that they're just going to subject their slaves into such tyranny that we're just going to go along with it and somehow be happy. This is how demented their thinking is. So we're really at this crossroads of humanity right now, Michael, where we can defeat this tyranny and we still can have our Star Trek future. We can still have a golden age and release all this technology that's been bottled up and basically controlled and consumed by this global elite. And they do even have their own secret space program going sure. on. They're even off planet. So we're up against a Herculean foe here, the biggest the likes that humanity's ever seen. But they're getting exposed more and more. And this is a good thing. So I say, if we just keep making fun of them, poking the hypocrisy that they represent, they're making mistakes and they're getting sloppy. And that's a good thing. That's showing that they're getting weaker and we're getting stronger. So that's what everybody can do on an individual basis is just make fun of the hypocrisy. They absolutely hate that. And it helps wake up the normies and everybody else who isn't quite getting it yet. I hear you. And I agree with you on a lot of things you said, but you don't think the earth will end at all. You think it's just going to continue on um, for millions of years, billions of well, years. Well, it's totally blown up and we became the next asteroid belt. But uh, I'd like to think that if we don't destroy the planet physically breaking apart, there's always going to be life on this planet. Whether it'll be livable or habitable for humans is another story, and that's what we would do to ourselves. Honestly, I think the the end of the Earth is when we get the red giant phase of our sun, which is expected to occur in about five billion years from now, where it's expected the sun is going to engulf all the inner, inner planets, including the Earth, and making it very um, inhabitable, maybe even destroyed. But that's one that's just one of many scenarios that could possibly happen, as well as a massive asteroid, which could uh, really screw us up as well, like an EMP, basically. Um, but, you know, that's not to leave out a um, scenario like a super volcanic eruption or a global pandemic uh, with something even nastier than the, the China dust. <laughs> Well, maybe you'll have me on the Michael Deacon program in five billion years when we get that uh, red sun. And <laughs> right. we'll talk about the end of the world then. But right now, I think we've got a bigger fish to fry. We actually do, yes. There is a very real and present danger with this cabal being a wounded beast right now and the prospects of them throwing everything they got at us right now and playing some of the dirtiest pool we've ever seen. And it just really breaks my heart when they take it out on the environment like this uh, toxic spill and yeah. the harp quake in Turkey, uh, then there's innocence involved and you're destroying nature and the, the very fabric of life as we know it that supports us. So that part is uh, disturbing. But if we can defeat them sooner than later, then that should all come to an end. And of course, before I let you go here, I was going to ask you about Jeffrey Epstein and his clientele list that was uh, leaked <laughs> online. But some of those names um, kind of fabricated, but we already have seen or had seen 
a list that was more or less pretty accurate about who actually visited the island. Um, but the media, you know, mainstream media, they're reporting that, uh, you know, there will be arrest one day or it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Um, quite frankly, Brad, I don't think anyone that's uh, gone out there and committed any crime will uh, be prosecuted uh, to any extent. Well, they sure have a can of Teflon to make themselves never stick those charges. Right. Like uh, the mafia guy, Teflon Don. Yeah, that, they'll just keep avoiding. But uh, if they've been to Epstein Island, they're of the sick cabal. Why do you think they're trying to normalize pedophilia and underage sex and even downplay uh, the whole notion of human trafficking? Yeah, they're trying to normalize they're guilty it. Yeah. Of it. They've been doing it. That's their game. And they want to make it seem normal and cool and fun for the rest of us. Right. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting what they want to normalize this Hollywood agenda of uh, you-know-what going around. We don't even want to speak of it here or we'll get kicked off. But yes, Brad, it, it's pretty disturbing what's going on and what is being allowed by our friends in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. And uh, Brad, again, always a honor and pleasure to have you here on this program. The time just flew on by uh, like the China dust. And uh, my God, Brad, always a pleasure. It's, it's always fun and interesting to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to do it again on the other side. And of course, now I, I definitely want you to plug away and uh, leave us with a final word, Brad. <laughs> well, thanks, Michael. I really always enjoy talking to you. And when you ask to come on the show, I always say yes, my schedule allows it. So if people want to know more about me and some of the conferences that I'll be speaking at in 2023, you can go to bradolson.com, B-R-A-D-O-L-S-E-N.com. And if you want to Pick up one of my books, uh, signed copies, come off of our website, cccpublishing.com. It's one of mine. I'll happily sign you a copy of one of the Esoteric series or Sacred Places or any one of my books that I can sign. But I also publish Leo Lyons Zagami, Michael Jaco, uh, Lon Milo Duquette, several other authors, and soon to be Laura Eisenhower. We're putting together nice. her first okay. book, which will come out next year. So maybe we can get uh, her on the Michael Deacon program. I'm sure you guys would have a great connection. Sure, that'd be fun. And of course, you could also be there as well, Brad, in case she gets a little nervous around me here. You know, people get a little yeah, intimidated. You could break the He's ice here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and and um, for those wondering, that's bradolson.com. Check out all the work there. And yes, Beyond Esoteric escaping prison planet again that's my favorite book i know i keep pushing it but i just want people to check that work check that book out i i think that's a good introduction to your work brad it's a good introduction it is my 10th book and it also works in conjunction with uh, modern esoteric and future esoteric before that and i don't repeat my material it's all esoteric subjects about 1400 pages of original material of all the subjects that have been withheld from humanity and modern esoteric is back in the beginning all the traditions leading up to this modern time future esoteric has more of the ufo and the cosmos and utopian section and beyond esoteric is really uh the zeitgeist of our age what we're going through collectively and hopefully escaping from this prison planet once and for all very nice. Very nice. Well, once again, Brad, thank you so much for being a part of the program. I'll talk to you again very soon, my friend. You got it, Michael. Thanks for having me on. You nice got it. Take care.
And there he goes, boys and girls. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. That, of course, is Brad Olson. BradOlson.com. Check out his work. And uh, much respect to all of you who hit play here. And, of course, those who will check out the show later on the podcast rendition of this program. Search The Michael Deacon Program wherever you get your podcasts from. That's where you'll probably find us there. Not everywhere, though. Not everyone has us. Uh, just yet, unfortunately. And uh, yes, thank you so much, all of you out there in the chat room. It was a good one. I had fun, and we will return very, very soon again. And uh, my goodness, that was pretty fun. And uh, yeah, Laura Eisenhower. Oh, I muted myself there. Yeah, Laura Eisenhower. You know, I never really thought about bringing her on this program, but um, if Brad is here and he wants to hang out and do that uh, he's more than welcome to do that that'd be pretty fun for all of you out there as well and uh, my god please support the program on patreon.com forward slash michael deacon uh, that is where you can find bonus content of the program if you want more and there's a lot in there by the way lots of awesome material that you won't find anywhere else lots of exclusive info out there lots of amazing shows indeed and my god you can hear the music playing that means i have to get out of here once again boys and girls it was fun we'll do it again on the other side and with that said the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery until next time good night <laughs>